no chance. Everybody, episode 58 of the No Chance Podcast. As always, your hosts, Ryan and Nate. Real quick, and we don't technically we don't typically have updates um, at the beginning of our episodes, but by the graces of God, god damn it, we have our first event in San Francisco. We're throwing a party on November 23rd. That's Black Friday at Bar Fluxus. It is called the Payout. I know that's a, a name that's pretty synonymous with like some of the older like um remember we used to do those like single single episodes oh like those little one-off yeah, like, like spin-off what episodes. grinds my gears yeah. type episodes but yeah first event if you are in the bay area please come and support we're gonna have super super limited merch alcohol alcohol good music flee some bad girls bad females also i didn't say that not promise i didn't say that <laughs> But definitely come out, man. Come and support. We've been we've been uh, sort of materializing this for for a long time, and it's something that we're really excited about. Just another way of getting all the homies, a lot of creative people all together. And man, I'm super. I'm so fucking excited. Same. I'm a little so anxious. Excited. A little stressed, so but it's fine. My biggest thing, my 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 favorite part about this is the merch, man. For those that, I mean, it's been about a year, and you would think like, oh, they're a streetwear podcast. They should have merchandise already. Something you know, something to sell. Something we can buy. No. This time we will. It's going to be super limited, so be sure to come out there. If you think about coming to visit relatives that live in the Bay Area, man, get your ass a plane ticket and fly over to San Francisco, man. Come come have some fun with us. It's a first event and uh, hopefully not the last, we hope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us for episode 58, man. It's been a long fucking journey. It feels yeah. like every every day feels like like I'm just waiting for Thursday just so I can like vent just so I can talk about streetwear. I mean, we kind of treat this like our second job, but it doesn't feel like a job, you know? Um, it's one of my favorite days of the week is just shooting the shit That's and true. talking about streetwear. That's true. For those who have not been listening and this is your first episode, welcome to the No Chance Podcast. We talk about streetwear and all other irrelevant shit going on in the world. First things first, though, and we talked about this in a couple episodes because it is one of, I think, the one of the more cultural phenomenons events that's taking place but hype fest right we didn't personally go because that is a fucking journey and we live on the other side of the country but with these events like hype fest and i, I know that complex con is coming up there's a lot of i don't know there's it's starting to blend together a lot of them are starting to be feel like the same thing it's it, and technically they are obviously but i think hype fest its objective was to differentiate itself from that of other trade shows or um, experiences in, in, in providing more of like an educative uh, space for people who are into streetwear. Um, but I, I'm not surprised that, you know, most people just looked at it as like, oh, it's just like another one of those trade show e type events. Yeah. And I think initially a lot of people, including ourselves, thought it was going to be some sort of, you know, more experience-based thing but from what i saw from like people who attended it was very similar in the way that very similar to complex con in the way that it was very like merchandise based too yeah um i mean there's like tons of different brands like all releasing like limited merch at hype fest um specifically for hype fest yeah. you know what i'm saying i think the biggest thing was 
was that of, and it was weird because typically with a lot of these events, like other publications are going to cover like the, the, the most hyped up items that released, you know, and, and with Hypefest with that idea of, oh no, we're not, well, well there's going to be a, a shortage of like buyer seller type things going on at this event. We'll, we'll offer some things, some limited shirts and whatever, some merchandise, but that's not the focus of this event. I'd say like after looking at the, their, the agenda of, of Hypefest, there's maybe like five talks and it's like that, that's it. I don't know. I don't think it had that same, at least like product wise, I don't think it had that same sort of like impact as like a complex con, for yeah. instance, like people going crazy over all this merch and stuff. When you think of complex con, you had all these like crazy releases. You had like off white, you mm-hmm. had undefeated coming out with a bunch of different shit. Um, and then hype fest, I didn't, and that's the thing with hype fest too. I didn't really see much coverage of hype fest. Exactly. With complex con, I saw it everywhere. Yeah. I saw it obviously on complex, but I saw it, um, like, through like round twos like YouTube mm-hmm. through like different outlets with Hypefest I didn't really see it being covered very much so. and it was through like the brands that were at Complex Con and even on like the major like athletic companies that attended these things you know like I think Adidas was the only one that had like a large activation at Hypefest so they were like uh, marketing this this campaign called Never Made and they were trying to put together a silhouette of that, that has never been made using other toolings of, of shoes that they currently have, trying to make the next Adidas big footwear model or whatever. Um, but it's weird. It's weird, right? Because Hypefest, I think, was kind of rushed. And that's why the, the impact of it was didn't seem to be as large. I mean, performance-wise, you're, you're Hypebeast. You're, you're the number one like cultural um purveyor of of what's cool right you tell people what is cool through your articles through your exposés everything you would think that they would have the biggest performers or at least the the biggest guests the biggest people in the game providing their insight into streetwear through talks right you would think that the experience would be so blown out of proportion that it would be the talk of the town but i I just didn't feel that no um same i didn't I honestly forgot that it was even happening that weekend. Um, I saw it on Instagram and I was just reminded like, oh yeah, Hypefest is going on this weekend. And like you said, it didn't have such a big impact like, you know, like an agenda or like a complex con. I'm not seeing it everywhere. Um, And to your point, I do think it was like very rushed. It was very sudden, you know, like a month before it happened, it was announced. And I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's really what people were kind of looking for, looking to get out of it. If you know what I'm saying, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if Melanie mentioned this or not, but she basically only spent about in total thirty minutes at Hypefest. Really, thirty minutes to accomplish walking around the whole conference or whatever. There, it was at a shipyard, the Navy shipyard or whatever. But to accomplish all that in thirty minutes. To, to potentially see like, and, and I understand like you go there by yourself. It's a little weird, right? It's, it's quite intimidating to go to these like these pop-ups, these, these streetwear events, whatever by yourself, especially if you, you see somebody that you've seen on Instagram or whatever, and you're like, Oh, I want to go talk to them. I want to pick their brain, but it's a little bit harder when you're by yourself. Cause it's, it's kind of intimidating. Yeah, exactly. Really. Yeah. I think just going anywhere by yourself is kind of intimidating. Like anything like you that. You ever watch a movie by yourself? No, dude. Have you? 
I have one time. One time. Would you ever go to like a Michelin star restaurant by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I might too. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you're if you're more balling than a lot of other uh, your other friends, then like, of course. Yeah. I mean, who else are you gonna take? I only have four hundred dollars for one of me. <laughs> Sorry. Don't bring your girlfriend to a Michelin star restaurant. Yeah. You have to pay for two people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like just these events in general, right? You accomplish the whole exhibition in thirty minutes. Like, what's the what's the point, right? And so I read this article about this guy who it was a GQ GQ article. And he covered pretty much, you know, his experiences at Hype Fest. And he runs into these these kids, right? And basically asked them, you know, how's your Hype Fest experience going so far? Like, what's your favorite parts? And they're kind of like, not, not, they're, they're underwhelmed by the whole event. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, like we, we tried to go to this booth and there wasn't too much to buy. And it's just kind of cool, like, just kick it with other people that you've seen on Instagram and, you know, talk to them about streetwear. And maybe that was the point. Remember we talked about in, in the um, in the Harajuku episode when we covered Japan about how they had this particular um, designated area where everybody came to stunt and flaunt out like their personal styles and clothes and that's just where everybody talked about fashion and stuff like that. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was like a forum brought to life. Yeah, I mean that I get as sort of like a like a meeting point for like minded people. Yeah. Like that's very cool. But I think. I don't know. I don't want to use the word boring, but that's kind of like the sense that I get, like very underwhelming, very yeah. like, this is it. Like, it's unfortunate. This is all. Yeah. It's unfortunate because we all had high hopes for this event. But my favorite piece of this event and and what I think anybody who's who's been following Hype Beast and the Hype Fest movement is that one particular person seemed to be like the savior, the Michael Jordan of the event. And if you guys don't know Verdi by now, you should really get familiar with who this guy is because he was posted in every single post. Um, so Verdi is a uh, Japanese graphic designer who's actually the one that ha- um, created Girls Don't Cry. Right. It's a Japanese made brand, which has gathered the likes from pretty much everybody in the industry, like heavily backed by Nigo, Nigo of Babe. He did a collaboration with Undercover. Undercover. Yeah. Crazy. He just Rare has. Panther. He's the he's the new it guy in streetwear. Yeah. And the same way that um, I forget his name, but um, Antisocial Social Club. Neek Lurk. Neek Lurk. Basically the new version of him but less weird and uh he basically had his his girls don't cry cafe within hype fest and it was just the talk of the town you know kevin ma the creator of of, of hype beast and and the actual event um th- there was just like this this connection there in which that i don't know it, it it was it almost felt like favoritism like sort of latching on to the newest uh, coolest talent that there is in streetwear and just promoting the shit out of it to make your event and your brand look kind of more hip, if that makes sense. Because he was everywhere. Everywhere, dude. With he, every person ever. Yeah, I saw him on like everybody's Instagram story. Yes. And I saw his little Girls Don't Cry cafe, like merch. There's an article about him on Hypebeast, yeah. like all kinds of stuff. And like, like I said, like if you don't, if you didn't know him, you probably know him now. Or you will know or him. Or are interested, or like yeah. who is this enigma? But one of the things that I want to talk about in this episode and why we we talk about Hypefest is because there's this huge shift in that of who brands are today, right? Brands back then were 
they're just brands, right? Brands were considered actually they weren't even called brands. They're just con- they were just companies, companies that sold goods, right? Shirts. Yeah. You think you got to think back to the early days of brands. Um, their their sales model was pretty much what do we see as an opportunity in the market to make, and we're going to make that, right? What's what's missing? Let's let's fill that void with whatever product we like. Who's not doing this? Who's not designing like this? And we're going to do it that way. That's going to be what defines us as a company. I mean, to be fair, like that's still how brands operate. Of course, but yeah. I think it's just looking at it through a different lens now. Yeah, um, which is kind of what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Yeah, kind of like I, I feel episode. like in uh, in a lot of episodes we cover the perspective of the consumer because that's what we are. We consume things, we buy things, but as we as we trot along, and us personally, we're growing into a brand, and a lot of the same themes arise from even a, a from a podcast brand to a clothing brand to a, a music label nowadays in this i guess this this um this sphere of of influence the purpose changes exactly um and just to touch on what you said earlier i think if you have any sort of like creative endeavor like almost by definition you are a brand in some form or another you know yeah um and yeah like you said the purpose behind it kind of changes. I think a big shift of it has been from, like you said, filling that void that uh, was in whatever market you're in. But now it's almost like it's, it's, there's two sides of the coin. It's that the consumer now has more control over what is going to be made, what is going to be produced. But also like we talked about on the other side of the, on that same token, brands kind of have still have that responsibility to, provide that influence for like what is cool what is going to be the next thing you know and while still catering to and i still i I still think there are a handful of brands that don't completely abide to that of what consumers want right there's there's people that are still doing the same shit whether or not consumers like what they're doing or not now this is all this is a brand that's always brought up but if we if we use supreme as an example right you would think at some point that Supreme just doesn't give a fuck and they're going to put out whatever and they are just the the purveyors of what's cool. But realistically, they will they are out here listening to what the kids want. Closely, more closely than a lot of other brands, but it's just it's not as obvious. Exactly, because that's the thing with Supreme is that you know, everybody knows them as that brand that just does whatever they want. Yeah. But if you look a little bit closer, you can see that there's real like they they you can tell that they really do pay attention to what's going on out there. And they're kind of positioning positioning themselves in a way that kind of like uh, allows them to grow, whether that's, you know, making stuff like, for instance, like today's Supreme Drop, you have the Gore-Tex jacket like with the really big branding. Like, I think that's just one of those things that everyone knows everyone wants you know what i'm saying I said, like, I, as you get to like 2012 when the whole like odd future tyler the creator supreme um revival happened you 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 start to notice the little things right everything that tyler wore at that time right his his outfit was was you know vans old schools and some sort of green hat and a printed shirt yeah right that was his his uniform if you really paid attention to every drop after that of like when Odd Future exploded, 
everything was a like the five the amount of five panels they released doubled crazy the like printed shirts doubled vans collaborations that you typically it's like one or one a season turn into like double like these are the types of things like they're out here looking and and, and trying to understand like what is it that these kids want like oh they want to look like this guy cool let's take our collections and craft it around this but but also i think at the same time it's yes what do these kids want but it's also what can we make them want yeah if you think about it if you think about it like that and that's 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 the aspect of like influencer marketing is like what can we put on this kid who's obviously like the talk of the town he's the most popping kid in the world right now what can we put on to him and basically just pay him for to influence that of other people exactly i think it's less of what do these kids want and i think it's more so of like what do these what do these kids not know that they wanted before? That's a good point. Yeah. You see something and I and I do it I do it all the time. I see something that I I completely dismissed months prior. Yeah. Maybe it's something that was just like a colorway that nobody liked. I see it on a person that I idolize, a person that I want to be like, and I'm like, fuck, I should have got that. Exactly. And, and and this is the the, the, the next piece I want to talk on. Before we get back into the whole how brands feel is you know, we we idolize these brands a, a lot, but I think we idolize the idea of the people behind the brands a bit more nowadays, especially when we talk about Verdi and Girls Don't Cry. I know nothing about this dude. I don't I don't know how old he is, like his origins, like what school he went to, but I know that he's running one of the coolest brands out right now. And when you see him standing next to Sarah Andelman and fucking Futura and like all and cause Nigo co-signing him for real his I know Nigo shirt is so cool it's one of those things where it's like damn I don't I don't even want to have a cool brand I want to just be the guy I want to be him so let's talk about that real quick because there's a lot of people that own these brands that I feel like one one thing's true is that obviously if you're the head of a brand you kind of have to put yourself out there to push your brand. You're, it's like self-marketing in a sense. But two, like we sometimes we know nothing about these people. We just think they're really, really cool for what it is that they make. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of brands, especially we always talk about like today, we're also like interconnected with like the internet, social media, whatever. You know, as someone who owns a brand or someone who's a part of a brand, you, you can almost reach like celebrity status just being yeah. like, for instance, like a Virgil Abloh. Crazy. Like crazy. Like, is he a designer? Is he a celebrity? Is he an artist? Is he a DJ? I don't know. Is, like you said, Verdi. Like, he's yeah. a, he owns his brand, but like, you look up to him like he's almost like. <laughs> I haven't heard him say a single word. Me neither. But then a single interview. But then you see him in pictures with like Nigo and like whoever else. And you're like, who is this guy? Exactly. Like, I want to be him. Yeah. Like. How can someone I know nothing about be like so, so impactful exactly, on like the things exactly, that I do, right? Yeah. The way we found out about people was through interviews. That's how we we learned about their their origins, their history, like how they got to the position that they're at now. That's how we we grow to like these people. Before that, everybody wanted to stay an enigma. They wanted to be a mystery. Yeah. Nobody wanted to be the face of their own brand. Like think about if you've ever watched original or old interviews with, with Neckface, the guy that collaborates yep. with Vans all the time, he would cover his face all the time. He never, well, I mean, it's also what he does is super legal and tagging all over the place. So I can understand why he want his face covered. But nowadays he's just 
freely op- all in the open. This is me. This is who I am. Like there's a celebrity attached to to um, brand owners today because they know that if people like me and they like my lifestyle, they're gonna connect that with the brand somehow, and they're gonna they're gonna buy it because the consumer. Like you said, they attach that lifestyle to that product. So they're thinking, sub- maybe subconsciously or not, like, if I have this product, I can be that person. I can live that lifestyle. It plays you know? double, which is really cool because you think of, like, um, like a brand like, who's, like, a really good lifestyle brand? Not lifestyle in terms of, like, like gimmicky lifestyle, but, like, actually living the life that their brand is. Um... I can't think of any off the top of my head. Like a born and raised. A born and, yeah, that's a perfect example. I don't know his, his exact name, the owner, but if you follow him, you see like his roots in in Los like Los Angeles communities and just like how tough they look and all this other shit. You're like, fuck. Like not only does the brand like express that in a weird way, but he does too. So it's like it like reinforces itself. And if I want to be tough and I want to be like from this area, I want to wear this brand because it represents all of those things. Exactly. And I think it's a really cool place to be in as a brand owner because, but it's also a huge responsibility, but I think you're in a good place as a brand owner. If you, and I don't think they're doing it on purpose, but being able to, to showcase the lifestyle that you live kind of provides context for why this brand is a thing. Exactly. Like we were talking about earlier, it's it's kind of uh, two sides of the coin. It's one, you want to be authentic because people gravitate towards that. But also it's like you want to give people what they want. And, you know, sometimes that doesn't always align with like authenticity. So yeah. you kind of have to find that balance of what is true to myself, but also like what is going to appeal to other people. You yeah. Know? And I think it's tough because like for a guy, like think about like something like girls don't cry, right? It's just a print. I saw the font from from somewhere. That font's very 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 familiar with like a design that you'll see every. I think it's the thank you like yeah, plastic bags. Yeah. So, I think about think about just that logo, that word mark in itself. Like that doesn't scream lifestyle. Doesn't scream really anything. Any anybody can put that together, but what attracts people to that brand is is this person and it's crazy how things are like that nowadays obviously through influencer marketing you could sell anything if it's attached to the right person and the lifestyle that they that they live as long as it's appealing to that consumer so in a sense brands still have the power but also and we'll talk about this next is brands also lose a lot of power in terms of like who's in charge and it and and I think the playing field, as it's always been, it, when it used to be kind of like brands were like almost like the more in, the more empowered side versus the consumers. But now it's it's a little bit more evened out. But I think consumers still have the edge in this case, which is what we're going to talk about now, is, which is consumers dictating that of what brands put out rather than what brand, brands putting out what they like or brands putting out what is relatable to their brand, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it de- I think it really depends on what sort of perspective you look at it from because you can either look at it from the perspective and say that like, uh, from the perspective of brand, of brand and say, oh yeah, this is what I want to put out 
Uh, but also you can kind of look at it from the perspective of consumer and say, oh, this is like what I want. It really depends on, you know, like what is what is being done. Um, and again, it just goes back to that question of what, like, ah, I don't what know is it? Say. What is it that I want as a as a consumer? Yeah. It, it's hard. Like, uh, uh, let's just put our let's put our brand owner caps on real quick. Sure. Because, and we'll use this as an example. We'll use this event that we're trying to throw as an example. Because, although we've been we've had ideas from day one of like let's throw this amazing event because this is how we like things, right? When it comes down to the business aspect of like, okay, like let's charge twenty dollars at the door. Let's tax everybody let's make sure our our margins for the merchandise that we put out is super high let's make all this money but when we become really realistic about like this business model that's in place and has always been in place forever it's like no it's not about what we want it's about what the consumer needs to want what we want <laughs> exactly it's sense. like a it's like a it's like a flow chart yeah you know? like it's it, really weird it's really weird and and looking at it from a brand perspective, I'm I'm sure as hell that a lot of these brands that have been in the game through uh, through different decades, they are probably just scared shitless right now because it's so hard to keep up with. We're called the not us specifically, or maybe we are the the Generation Z. Is that what we are? I can't keep up with that shit there's anymore. Too, there's man. too many names for this yeah. shit. But this generation of and specifically the within streetwear, it's the the kids that have all the money, but are also looking to flip, and the kids that that have no real education of streetwear, it, but and but just want to buy. I think that that's like the the stamp on them. It's just these are the the buy to buy to buy to to flip to flip to flip. Like that's the mentality of kids nowadays. It's not to to buy to own to cherish to to never wear to hang to put keep in the box. That's that's like a generation that's that, that's gone yeah. at this point. So as a brand, and you tell me as a brand owner, say you're the brand of of I don't know, like say you're Bobby Hundreds. Sure. Right? Say you're Bobby Hundreds and you have to keep up with these trends. You have to keep up with these kids, especially new kids. Obviously, kids like us, we're still going to believe in the hundreds to to a certain extent because we we love Bobby and Ben. We love what they're about. We love the like we know their history. But for a new kid that's just getting into streetwear, that shops at your local Zoomies or whatever, think about the trends that you have to follow to please them. Yeah, I think it's it's all about dividing like who your audience is and kind of picking and choosing who do I want to appeal to? Because obviously, like you said, like a kid that was, you know, in a kid that was in kindergarten in 2005, 2008 is not going to have any idea of who the hundreds is, no. you know. Um, but to us like that, when you say the hundreds, that leaves some sort of imprint on us. So and especially in this time where everything moves so so rapidly um people are on one thing and then on to the next in the blink of an eye i think it's i think if i'm bobby hundreds yes it's important to remain the hundreds at its core but also at the same time it's like if you're a brand and you can't adapt to the environment that you're in, that you're in then yeah you might be able to last for like a few years but then at some point 
you know, you're going to have to make an exit because yeah. I don't know, things change. Like, and everything, change. everything, history always repeats itself. So if you're a brand that relies heavily on 90s nostalgia, say you were FUBU, right? Yeah. FUBU in the early 2000s, you're flourishing, right? Million, billion dollar company at that point. 20, 2010, 2011, boo, yeah. you're down, right? Nobody gives a shit about FUBU. But when you start to realize, okay, who's into FUBU? We got to find somebody who's into FUBU. You transition to bringing your shit overseas. I hear Korea is like super into FUBU and it has been since the early 2000s. So that's giving them a chance to stay afloat. And then now you look at the 90s resurgence of, of nostalgic wear, FUBU's back, right? FUBU's like the biggest thing. Everything, everybody's into FUBU. Well, maybe yeah. not for us, but like it's a thing now. Tommy Hilfiger, Fila, fucking saved yeah right you see like the little like um weird platform shoes that everybody's wearing yeah, now like huge like chunky crazy like, yeah like these like i feel like these brands like it I, god i couldn't do it i couldn't do it because as much as i would want to do what is true to us and true to our personal brand to to have to worry about that on such a large scale and be and just and with all the social media and all this yeah. other stuff, it could really get to, it could really get to you as a brand owner. Yeah, but I don't know. I liken a brand to being a person in some in some ways because oh, yeah. you know, a person over time. I'm gonna get real philosophical real quick. Just, you know, bear with me. But a person over time, like they change, they evolve. And so, if you're a brand owner, I think you should have that same sentiment of, you know, yeah, I want to be authentic to who I am as a brand. But what does that mean, and how does me as a person like changing translate into how does my brand change it takes a lot sense. of like checking your own ego exactly so it's like oh no we're we're this brand that just does hardcore shit yeah you know like we're not going to change for anybody yeah and you see those profit margins start to dip and you just sitting on a bunch of back stock and you're having sales every fucking every week it's like all right we might need to have to, to make a change like yeah, maybe exactly. these kids have more more influence on us than we we used to think right yeah. we used to be in charge we made what was cool if you aren't buying our shit fuck you we'll find somebody else to come buy our exactly. stuff but it, it, it you're right it is a, a different landscape and it it just sounds stressful yeah. like at some point every person is gonna is going to hear about the shit that people are saying about them it's just human nature right yeah. it, it, there are some people out there that i mean when you get to a certain extent say you're making billions of dollars and obviously you tend to like drone out those of the haters right but when you're a brand owner and you're trying to stay afloat you need to throw focus groups and you need to hear feedback on what people are saying because that's what's going to basically excel your brand yeah and you know just to reiterate kind of underscore that the consumer really has the power in the relationship now. Yeah. Um, because back then, there weren't so many brands to pick and choose exactly. from. It's either you like this or you like this. But now it's like, I don't like this. I'm going to go to the 10 other brands that have what I like. So why should I, you know, why should I buy your shit when I could be buying theirs? Dude, and it's so easy to repurpose things nowadays. Yeah. Like if, if and, and I'm doing this. So me and Nate are actually going to be going to Hawaii in the next few weeks. So I'm looking for like, like the, the new trend now and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of digging it is like neon, right? Like super bright colors is like the newest thing that's sort of like jumping in into the trend. So I'm trying to find like, like 
like a neon like long sleeve or something. I don't know. Like just use that as an example. I'll go to like Carhartt and try to look for one. I'm like, oh, cool. Like all my all the sizes I want are sold out. Cool. I'll just go to this other brand. Oh, the sizes sold out. Oh, oh I know this other brand kind of does this type of stuff. It's so easy to jump from brand to brand to brand. And all you have to do is just like the graphic. Exactly. I don't even have to believe in this brand, but as long as you have what it is that I want, then please take my money. Like yeah. it's it just, it's that simple nowadays. Yeah. I mean, like I just said, there's so many options. Like if you as a brand aren't selling yourself well to a consumer or well enough, then I don't know. I don't know. It's like, it's like a relationship. Like there are plenty other, plenty other things yeah. out there for you to do. Yeah. You know, like, do you think it's tough then? Or do you, do you ever have this, like this dilemma to where, um, even though you may not associate with the brand a hundred percent, if it looks good and it's obviously price is one of the most important things to us, if it's inexpensive and it looks good, are you going to buy it? I think so. I think everybody has that sort of like impulse purchase like yeah, yeah i yeah. don't like uh i don't know what this brand is about i don't really like relate to it that much but it looks cool so i'm gonna yeah. buy it I, I think everybody does everybody does that that's yeah. just a part of shopping you it's know? like the after the aftermath to like a bad tattoo it's yeah. like you get it and you're like no but it's really represents like this part of exactly. my life it's just exactly. like no i just really wanted this tattoo for no reason yeah exactly <laughs> but then again it's like why should you have to justify that to anybody exactly by yourself yeah. yeah but i think it comes down to like I mean, we always get into this thing of like, like your clothes define who you are. Yeah. It's good. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a positive and a negative because you want to be, you want the things that you own, the things that you wear and some, I mean, and to those that aren't into like material things, you just, you need something to portray who you are, whether that's the way you talk, the way you, I don't know, throw a baseball. You want to represent, you want to represent yourself in the best way possible. You're not going to throw like a girl. You want to throw like a man. You know what I mean? Sure, man. Unless you're a girl and you throw like a girl, then that's fine. But (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm saying like in the sense of the things that you own, the, 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 the way that you talk, the words that you use is a way to further elaborate on how you represent yourself or like portray yourself to other people. Yeah. And I think again, circling back, that extends to the brand as well you know what i'm saying like i think a brand and a consumer almost interchangeable in some aspects like you know a brand putting their product out there that's like their representation of who they are Mm -hmm. and the consumer wearing that is reputation representation of who they are so i think to be really successful you have to have those two things like align you know but what's it's just hard nowadays because it involves money. Yeah. <laughs> but if you think about it, is it really hard or is it easier today? Because now everything's more accessible. So you're able to reach, say you're a brand and this person doesn't like your stuff. Great. There's like 7 billion other people on the in the world that I can try to that's, appeal that's, to. You that's know? completely true. And two things can be true. Like accessibility, obviously, with direct-to-consumer, like it is that easy to get to the forefront of people's screens for the most part nowadays you can vibe for their attention easier than it has been forever right but also there's so much other competition maybe not within your direct field but in terms of the deal the sale the i'm always going to go and 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 look up this item at the cheapest price possible from this retailer i've never heard of just so i can get it at that price rather than Oh, I love end or I love 
essence. You know what I mean? You know what's crazy to me is like, I will pay like a ridiculous amount of money for something. But then if there's no free shipping, I'll just go to another site. Oh my <laughs> God, you're that dude? If they hit me with like the $6.99 shipping, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to get it from another website. Like, First of all, I don't understand why a company or a brand would charge you free shipping. Why would sh- why would they charge you shipping if you're paying over like a hundred dollars anyway? Yeah, what's the point of that? Yeah, like shipping's like five six dollars. Yeah, oh god. But that's what I'm saying though. Like, there's so many options out there. It doesn't even have to be about a brand. It could just be like a retailer. You know, like yeah. if you're like that's that's a lost sale already. Like, oh, I'm have to pay shipping. I'm gonna go somewhere else and get. How it. often do you get what's called analysis paralysis? What is that? Meaning, I've actually never heard that term. Meaning you're the, okay. So basically analysis, analysis paralysis is this idea that when there are too many choices at your disposal, you end up not doing oh, anything. All the time, <laughs> all the time, dude. Like I will be on the internet and I'll be doing research. Like, okay, where can I get this? Where can I get this? And then at the end of it, I'm just tired. I'm like, I don't even want this anymore. Like this is too much work. Exactly. Like, Put yourself into this situation. I'll I give you a hundred dollars. Yeah. And I say, go to grail.com and buy something. How long do you think it's gonna take you to find something that you think is, is worth worth a hundred dollars? It's gonna take me forever, dude. Oh, there's so many options. There's so yeah, there's so many things out there. It's ridiculous. You can buy from resellers, you can buy from retailers, you can buy from wholesalers, you can make your own shit. Like I love it. But I also hate it. Exactly. And that's also one of the biggest reasons why I haven't fucking bought anything lately. Same. It, it, it puts you in a position where it's on you now as the consumer. You make the decision. You want to buy from this person. You want to buy from this person. What other things come into play when you do buy it from this person? Am I a supporter of this company? Do I represent this company? Like, It puts the consumer in a position, and now we're on the consumer again. It puts the consumer in a position where they have to make the choice. And that's a big responsibility for consumers. It's crazy to say that like shopping is like difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I miss the days when my mom would just come home with a pair of shoes and be like, hey, these are your school shoes for the, yeah, for the year. And put on these clothes. Like, yeah. I don't All got right, a choice. Right. Like yeah. that just takes okay. one thing out of my mental to have to worry about. And, and, and that is something that I miss. But I also like dressing myself nowadays. So True. Very true. <laughs> What's the time? But I mean, yeah, I mean, basically what we're getting to is, is nowadays the brand, from, from what it used to be, the brand had a, a lot of power. Um, that whole business model of, you know, fulfilling a need with, or fulfilling a want with a need. And as a brand in streetwear, really do, having the ability to do whatever you want because of it being such a, an open playing field. It's, it's changed now, uh, you know, like th- this landscape is turned into brands of quantity, consumers of quantity, clothing of all different, t- it, it's, it's impossible to not be able to buy something, but through analysis paralysis, it's actually makes it a lot more difficult. So for those that are thinking about buying something, think people that are probably on their, on their own grailed website right now or looking for something to buy, what would we tell them? Just don't, man. Just save your money. Just save your money. Save your money. <laughs> Just throw that in savings. Save you know, your money. You want to know something? I looked at my pay stub the other day. I think oh, it was yesterday. Shit. And I was like, I was like, okay. I saw how much I was getting paid. And then I looked at uh, like my net pay from the past almost year that I've been working on my job. And uh-huh. I was like, 
I could have like put a down payment for a house by now, dude. You put all these things into perspective, yeah. and it's very, very depressing. Like, like things I, I could have done. Exactly. Like, where did this money go? Like, I could, I could have traveled to like, like four different continents by exactly. now. Exactly. Save my dough. And then you look at your shoes, and you're like, ah, yeah, it's, it's kind of right. worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. But yeah, I mean, save your money for one. Second. I guess if you're going to buy clothes, invest in something that you know is going to last a long time. You know, if you're going to put some money into something, don't just buy a T-shirt. Do buy something that you can wear multiple times throughout the week. Buy something that you can wear multiple seasons. You know, really think about the pieces that you invest in. And that's really all I can say, man. Make your money worth it. Make your money worth it. <laughs> that's the uh, that's a great way to end it, I think. Yeah. You know, give, give them some words of wisdom. But thank you guys for listening to this week's episode Again, if you ended up actually listening to the whole episode, we are throwing an event on Black Friday of this year in San Francisco, California. Bar Fluxus, the payout, our first event. We're releasing very, very exclusive merch that will not be sold online. So I apologize to those that live on the other side of the world. But, but we will have merch eventually. Eventually, eventually, eventually. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And as always, thank you for listening to this week's episode of No Chance Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Peace. Yo, don't forget, if you'd like to continue the conversation, be sure to follow us at No Chance Podcast on all social platforms. And make sure to use the hashtag HeyNoChance so we can see your questions to address on future episodes. We'll catch you later. Peace. Peace.